we're back and we are discussing 1987's Raising Arizona, a film written by Joel and Ethan Cohen, who have gone on to have a long, fabulous career. But I think this is one of their brightest movies. It's hilariously funny, even 30 plus years later. It tells the story of H.I. McDonough, brilliantly portrayed by Nicolas Cage, who is a repeat offender, as he's told by the parole board, who consistently gets himself in trouble for whatever reason. And no, he keeps robbing convenience stores. Right, but the reason why is never really fully oh, yeah. delved into. But I'm assuming he always does it, And he always does it with an empty gun because... He doesn't want to hurt anybody, and then it's not considered armed robbery. Right. Um, and in his many stints going into prison, he meets with Ed. Edwina, otherwise known as Ed, who is um, the person that takes the photographs and, I guess, fingerprints. She's, 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 she's a cop at, a, at, a, at the, I, I guess, guess Tempe, Arizona uh, police department, and she's the one who's always... Yeah, doing his mugshot. Oh, also brilliantly portrayed by the fa- always fabulous Holly Hunter. Yes. So what did you kids think about the movie, Olive? I liked it a lot. Yeah? What did you like about it? It was just hilarious. It is hilarious. What was your favorite part? Uh, that huggy scene. When he goes and gets the huggies from the convenience store? Yeah. <laughs> and that whole chasing. <laughs> the wild chase ensues. The dogs. The music. The, cops. the dogs. The Some cops. of the yodeling music in the background. That is one of the funniest things on film. Yeah. Absolutely. Run, and running still through holds those up. people's houses. houses. That's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> poor again, people. amazing. 30 plus years later and it's still as fresh and as funny yeah. and as great as it was all those years ago. Um, gee, what was your favorite part other than running around in the houses? When that guy blows up. That was oh. fantastic. <laughs> that was fantastic. When Smalls gets it. What was your favorite character? Who was your favorite character, Olive? The baby. You like Nathan Jr.? Yeah, he gets it easy in that movie. <laughs> He's so cute. What about you, Jay? Who's your favorite character? Did you have one? No? Okay. It's a pretty solid ensemble piece. Uh, William Forsythe? William Forsythe is Neville or Evel? Evel. Evel. Uh, John Goodman is Gale. Is Gale. They're, those, they're two... Trey Wilson uh, is Nathan. Two escaped convicts oh. who, who are, who are fellow, fellow uh, inmates. prisoners, inmates at the, the jail that... Uh, I thought they were brothers. They are brothers. They're brothers, but they were they were in my t- they were they were fellow inmates of HIs. Yeah, that's how they met. That's how they met at uh, at at group. <laughs> <laughs> so this was your pick. What yes. Would, yes. So. I I picked this because I mean I have loved this film for so long, and I remember there was there was a point as a kid. No, no, not really as a kid. It was it was definitely after I had come home from college, and I would be hanging out with my friend Mike. For some reason, Channel Eleven decided to broadcast broadcast this film like every, every other day, <laughs> and we probably watched it every other day just because <laughs> it was that good and that funny. Everybody's performance is just outstanding. Uh, it's one of my favorite performances by Nicolas Cage. He's done a lot of crazy stuff. But <laughs> this was great. His his narration in it. 
the the tone he took, the look he had, he he looked like such a like a sad, messed up mutt. Yes. You know, he he looked like just some like mangy dog who you could see he had a good heart, but he was also he was like sort of like in between wanting to be a good man and wanting to be an outlaw. And I think that that outlaw thing plays a part because he even says it when That's he's looking baby. at Nathan. He's like, oh, yeah, look at him. He's, he's, he's going to be an outlaw or something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, you can see it in his eyes. And also, Evel makes that connection, too. Yes, Evel makes the same thing. Yeah. And uh, every, seriously, everything about this film is good. The music is, is just pitch perfect for it. During the fight scenes, the that sort of like that yodeling version of Ode to Joy that they yeah. play throughout the whole thing and, and it's just great. It's yeah. just really, really good. And there's not a moment in the film where you're just like, Oh, they're 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 spinning their heels wasting time. This is this Start is compact yeah. yeah, this is just like concise, solid. solid storytelling from start to finish. Even like the sort of like whirlwind way they begin it, they they show the they get you like grounded in the beginning of the story with him constantly getting arrested, getting mugshots, going to jail, getting paroled, getting arrested, getting mugshots, and like sort of like how this budding relationship begins with between him and Ed. <laughs> it's just great, and and the scenes in prison, like the montages, where like in the beginning, it's just he's he's doing his thing and he's going to therapy, and the jokes that they're they're running off. John Goodman, he says something along the lines of, "You got to put your career before your family." Sometimes, you know. I said it again. <laughs> That's all right. And that other guy who's, who's who gets, why do you feel trapped? And he's like, sometimes I get the menstrual cramps real bad. <laughs> real hard. Real hard. Oh my god, I love that. I love that. And then when he realizes he's in love with Ed and he's in the prison cell, just like sitting in his bunk, and the guy above him is just ran, rambling, rambling on, on about crawdads. <laughs> It's just so ridiculous and so funny. And then he goes in and proposes to her, and she's taking a mugshot of some guy, and he's just like, he's just like, hi, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. There's not a moment lost in this movie. The script is so tight, and there's so there's there's a lot of little things in it that it's a, a film that just makes me feel good every single time I see it. And the end. That narration bit when he's describing that dream, dream. it's it's, it's lovely. very lovely. It's yeah. so touching. Yeah, I, I mean, I can rant about this. For a long time. <laughs> it's such a good movie. I I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. I also have seen this probably not as many times as you have seen it, or as many times as I've seen Overboard, which is now in my mind to force everyone to sit through. Um, but yes. Start to finish, solid, solid storytelling. The the Coen brothers did an amazing job of building this world. It's not a long movie. It's probably like an hour and a half, maybe even less than that. But mm -hmm. just going from point A to point B in this film is outstanding, outstanding storytelling. They do a lot of quick world building using... It's funny because the voiceover could have gone poorly had it been not written as strongly as it was yeah. but i think that 
because they had this phenomenal idea and they fleshed it out and it came on the page so excellent. That's why you have such an impactful storytelling device there. Because again, sometimes, I mean, voiceovers can be lazy, I think, at times. It, not so in this case, yeah. obviously, but it's a device that could, could have gone south. Yeah, sometimes but, they just use it way overboard when just trying to explain something that they're not showing. Right, right. That could have been better told just by showing, showing it. Us. Right, and I think in this, but in this film, it adds another layer. It adds another nuance to it that really blends itself well and it's done well. And then just the, it, it's funny when you said the whole thing about like a dog, like kind of like a a, a mutt for Nicolas Cage that's actually a really great description of him because he is he is like you said he's got one foot in trying to be the a decent man but also live in this this outlaw's existence whether yeah. he found ro- like it romantic or whatever but I think at the end of the day he is a decent human being he knows what's right and yeah. and I think the the way the film progresses progresses it's sort of it becomes physical this this battle between him lawlessness and and being an outlaw and it, it and it's sort of that that's what i feel like if you want to really like dig deep into the movie that's what smalls is smalls uh, if you're unaware is a character that appears in the film who is this uh, warthog from hell uh, outlaw uh, bounty hunter who is practically supernatural there is there's a point where he actually gets shot in the hand and fire comes out of his body right right and uh there's a scene in the film during during like the big climax where nicholas cage and smalls are 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 fighting yeah and smalls has the same tattoo as nicholas cage which is the uh woody Woody woodpecker yeah and to me that always like i was like trying to think i i've always tried to think why why do they have that in common why do they have it's the exact same, same tattoo thing. it's not in the same place it's not in the same place but it's the but it is, it is the, the exact, same, exact same, same tattoo too. and in my mind it was when i thought about it uh high in this moment is he's ridding himself of this this outlaw belief he I has agree. he has to get rid of it and that's what this battle with smalls is and it is even more personified you could live a life of lawlessness or you could live a life being lawful. And who are the two sides? There's Smalls and then there's Ed. And what is Ed dressed as? She's wearing, for some reason, even though she hasn't been a cop for, resigned, for, right? yeah, for at least a couple of years now, she's wearing her uniform. She dressed as a police officer. She is the law. And high. It's either High himself dies and, and that's basically Smalls takes over or High does the right thing, goes straight, turns, turns straight, does the right thing, becomes a law-abiding man. And that, that's, that's like sort of what it felt like to me. And then at the end, yeah, you know, we say goodbye to Mr. Smalls. Yeah, I agree. I think it's funny that you brought that up. I, I too, when I watched it, associated the Woody Woodpecker head tattoo with him coming to this epiphany that he really had to kind of man up. He'd been a child this whole time. 
you and, know, and, devoid of responsibility, even though he, he did that, I guess, soulless work of working in the factory or wherever he was working. But it was really high time for him to just man up and be the man that he could be, the man that Ed knew was in him. And again, like you mentioned before, he didn't have bullets in the guns. He inherently was a good person. Yeah. He was just goofy and just awkward. And he makes this comment about how he's not a three-piece suit guy. Right. And that's fine. Yeah, you don't need to be a, to be a three-piece piece suit, suit guy. guy. And that's fine with that. And I think that was also a nice scene when he's in the car with her after the big chase in the supermarket. And he says to her... You know, the baby accepts me for who I am. It's, it's high time that you also accept me for who I am. And I think that was also a, a bone of contention here because I think that even though it wasn't expressed, I feel like Ed's character, not that she looked down on him, but she just was very, I don't know if judgy is the word, but it was almost like she had that over him. Like, you're the, you're the screw up. You're the criminal kind of thing. In a, in a way, but I think I think she saw there was good in him. Right, because she saw even there was good in him, and she was definitely disappointed that when he would do stupid he, things, he felt he was basically tumbling back into this life. Especially, and it and the thing that's funny is that it happened right at that moment, the moment that they take the child. Right. That night, Evel, Evel, and, Evel and, and Gail bust out of prison. They come birthed out of the ground. <laughs> that's a great scene. And. Then they're like, oh, that's the first step. Now he ends up punching his boss in the face. Right. And then the next, that's the next step. Third step, he's robbing a convenience store, store for no reason. Right. Fifth step, he's going to work with with Gail and, and Evel to, to, to do something bad. Right. And it, it was sort of like a, a snowball effect where that that was all happening. And she sees that happening. And the, the issue that I think was tearing her apart was she was the law and order. But it was her idea to take the kid. Right. She right. had thrown that away. She had, she, if, if. Whatever if, upholding of the law yeah. that she was sworn to do as a police officer. If the snowball effect was, if the snowball effect was going to begin somewhere, it began with her pushing that, that first step. We got to, they have more than they need. Because there was a point where they could have just backed away. Right. He came back down without Without the baby, Right. And she was like, you go up right. there they and you get, get, me, get a baby. me a baby. They have more than they can handle. They have more than they can handle. Yeah. yeah. So that was her conflict. The fact that she started this whole thing. And it it started because of something that she wanted so deeply mm-hmm. and that she got. And now that she got it, it wasn't really working out the way that she had hoped. It's like that whole thing, you you know, in the part of the story where you get what you think you were looking for the whole time. time. And then and it's then not it's exactly... It's just not exactly that. That, right. That that conflict in the story that, that makes a good story great. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so the... God, this film is so good. <laughs> Every, everybody has something going on. Her, her, she has her conflict. High has his conflict. The brothers have their own. The bro- yeah, the brothers, the, they just can't make it on the outside Side, without they, doing those uh-huh. things. And and you could see them sort of melting towards the end when they actually, they're with the baby. Yes. Yeah. Because I think even though they are predisposed to do bad things, I think they too are decent people. 
in their own way. In their own way, yeah. They, you could. I don't think they wanted to actually murder anybody. No, them. like they were shooting guns and whatnot. And, right, yeah. but I think it was more to scare people. It was more to, to scare people, you know, especially yeah. uh, Evel. He, yeah, he was, I'll come back in five minutes. I'll and, come back and <laughs> check on you. Yeah, that was hilarious. And when when John John Goodman when Gail he gets rattled by that old guy on the in the Grange place, he's yeah. like, "Well, what do you want me to do, youngster? You want me to freeze, or you want me to get on the floor?" That was so great. That was so great. Nothing, so... nothing is wasted in this film, start to finish. Excellent storytelling, a superb script, yeah. phenomenal acting by everyone, even secondary characters. I mean, I don't know the name of the woman who plays Florence, Arizona, but even her small scenes, just over the top, when she's screaming, when she sees that the baby's not there, yeah. just everything about this movie, all the details. The guy, the guy who played Nathan, Arizona, uh-huh. he was excellent. He's fantastic. He is Trey fan- Wilson. He yeah. was he was outstanding. He was also the, one of these for the, character for the, actors. For the scenes that he got, he made the most of so it. The, yeah. His character was great. He had some awesome lines in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Every, Just yeah, really great fleshed out characters. His final interaction with Hyde and Ed yeah. at the end was lovely. Which also was like sort of like a, a a bit of a turning point for that character because up until that point you think he's just some huckster. Right. Like hard Telling people, oh, my my employees wouldn't know how to wouldn't wouldn't piss, piss themselves if their pants were on fire unless I told them to. Yeah. <laughs> and then he has like these words of wisdom for them, and yeah, and, he, and it's he, very simple. It's very, yeah, yeah, it comes from the heart. I think that's uh, that scene. Even though nothing's being conveyed when he says like, "Why did you do it?" and he sees Nicolas Cage hand on, hand on Holly on Hunters and it's almost like well he went through this right because that's how they got their five they were super blessed because yeah. of the fertility drugs yeah. so it was also he also has an epiphany right and yeah. it's like these people are hurting and it, it's funny we and I think you and I have said this we sometimes don't even remember what our lives were before our children our children as crazy as they make us, they are a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love them deeply. We would be completely lost without them. I don't even want to think about bad scenarios because that just puts me over. And just, it was lovely because it was like, here you have this thing starting a family and that's the thing that propels him to want to do better, to be a good man, to be a great spouse, to be a contributor to society. And then that end sequence too, just lovely. It's nice when they wrap that up because sometimes you know, you know, uh, you'll watch a movie and it just ends, and sometimes you're left wondering, well, what could have happened after that, right? Yeah. I'm sure there are movies where you where you think that, and it was nice to have kind of that closure here, that sewing up of the loose ends, to see how everything panned out, and to know that Ed and high had that happy ending was extremely extremely gratifying because i'm sure that as in most relationships you know they have a, a rocky start their relationship really wasn't built on maybe the most strongest of foundations. foundations i mean i think she saw him every two years as he was getting his mugshot so 
you have that, but at the end, she saw something in him. His love for her made him want to be better, and together, they were great for each other, and they yeah. brought out the best in each other. Yeah. And of course, you know, as human beings, you make mistakes along the way. That's gonna happen. But I think. Yeah, I mean, they had they had a big stumble. Yes, a big one. Kidnapping a child. <laughs> <laughs> not the way to do it. Not the Ladies way to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, but... not the way to do it. Um, but at the end. Everything turned out how it should and for the best. And I'm very appreciative to the Coens for bringing such a fantastic story. Again, 30 plus years. I think I, t- I looked at you when I looked yeah. on IMDb. I was like, did this movie really come out in 1987? That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Wait, time is flying. Check out the parents guy on the I was, and I started to, and then I stopped myself because that is just crazy town. Come on, let's hear how ridiculous the, the parents guy is. <laughs> All right, let's see. According to IMDb, there are four instances of sex and nudity. Number one. Three scenes involving showing the covers of Playboy and Jugs magazine. <laughs> Number two, a man says he feels trapped in a woman's body and goes on to briefly describe his experience. However, this is done for comic effect. Number three, dialogue about infertility, wife swapping, menstru- menstruating, and other similar topics. Number four, a woman is jumping on a man with passion when he enters home. Both are fully dressed. So I'm not really sure what the sex and nudity is here, IMDb. Yeah, that's a... But, uh, yeah, there's... Violence and gore is two. There's two instances of violence and gore. A man beats another man. Mild blood is shown. A man on a motorcycle is blown up by grenades. This is implied, but a smoking boot is seen falling to the ground. Several armed robbery scenes are shown throughout the film. Number two... A man blows up an innocent, an innocent rabbit with a grenade. He then later shoots the lizard and sets a yellow flower on fire. Profanity. One. One F word. Twelve S words, mostly said by one particular character. Yeah, Three A words. Seven SOB. Eight damn. One paired with God and ten hell. Oh my God. Wow. Someone's keeping track. Ten Hells, isn't that from Game of Thrones? (laughs) One instance of alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Cigar smoking takes place a few times. I think cigarettes, not cigars. Two men. Small smoke cigars. Ah, right. Two men drinking many beer cans. Yes. Frightening and intense scenes. One. Cars, Cars chases. That's improper grammar. <laughs> Two men are escaping from jail. They are seen emerging from a mud during a stormy night, screaming. A bank robber orders bank customers to lie down on the ground. A baby is left behind when the adults leave, and they are frantic when t- returning to find it. A, ba- a man riding a motorcycle is chasing a woman who holds a baby in her in her hands. Got it. So, um... Yeah, none of that really... Uh, none of that is really over the top. It's it's silly. It's... This, this, any, anybody could watch this film. It, yes. There, there, are, there are a couple of cuss words in there. Yes. But, but yes. if you're fine with it, yeah. your child isn't going to be traumatized yeah. in the slightest. This is rated PG-13. It's 94 minutes long. It's considered comedy crime. 
That's interesting. I thought it was just yeah. a comedic movie. Um, well, there is criminal activity. But I highly, highly recommend it. Fabulous pick. Thank you. Fabulous. Fabulous. I'm glad everybody liked it. I love there it when you kids There was a lot of chuckling the films that during, I the, during the watching of this film. I feel like we've seen it before, but I don't think we've ever sat from start to finish with the kids with it. Yeah, I think I we've know. come in in so. different parts of it. But uh, still holds up. Still holds up. And that's another thing that's really fantastic about this film. This film came out in 1987. That is 30 plus years. It's a testament to the wordmanship of the script by the Coen brothers. And again, I feel like one of their best movies. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of their best movies. And probably not given the accolades maybe that it should be. I feel like everyone... I think everybody heaps praise on their later, later work, work, you know, right. like No Country Tree, for Old Men. Which I and, didn't like and, and uh, whatever. I'm Fargo sure more, and, and Fargo and the, stuff The like more that. serious stuff. Uh, this was a straight comedy. They, they, I think they've done comedies recently, but I don't think anything has quite matched the level of, of this. This of is Raising Arizona. This is Raising a fabulous, Arizona fabulous is, film. To me, it's the funniest thing they've ever done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's just a brilliant movie. Yeah. And you forget what a sensational actor Nick Cage is. Yeah. Because he, he's he... done a lot of <laughs> not so great performances. Well, not, not great performances. I think the thing, the beauty of Nicolas Cage is whether it's a B movie or a huge blockbuster, he is committed. He is committed to the role. Yeah. So that's the beauty of Nick Cage. And I think that in this particular film, he goes in it whole hog and it comes out with a diamond. It's a stellar, stellar performance. I feel like, what, yeah, one of his best. I know he won an Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas, I believe, but this is sensational. You know, I, just, I was just thinking about him in Adaptation which was also he, he was fantastic a fantastic movie. Heartbreaking, but fantastic. He is, he's, he's an interesting cat. Ghost Rider was terrible. <laughs> Ghost Rider. God, I we felt, paid money I, I for that. Paid money, we? and I, I seriously felt shame while I was watching <laughs> we that movie. left the theater. I, like, like, I was like two see? thirds of it in, and I felt dirty watching that. <laughs> I felt like this is, this is, this, this is, is something I should not have. I feel like I did something bad and my mom caught me. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. But did phenomenally well that it warranted a sequel, which also was horrendous. I have never actually saw that. I've one. seen bits and pieces of it, only because Idris Elba's in it. Uh, but, yeah, he's just top-notch in this. Holly Hunter, I feel like, is always just she's a treat al- to watch. She's always solid. She is always solid. Yeah. And I love... I love the love between Elastigirl. Elastigirl, that's right. <laughs> I love the love between Goodman and the Coens. I love that he reoccurs John Goodman is always a lot great in too. their movies. And he's also a solid, solid actor. It's so funny, you see him now and you see him back in eighty seven and it's like, Oh, all my favorites are getting older. This is this is terrible, this passage of time, but so it is. So it is. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, G. I think I will give this a 9. A 9. I would get 
I would say it's like a 9.8 or a 9.9. It is, to me, it's it's close to perfect. I'll never give a 10. You'll never <laughs> get me to terrible. give a movie a 10. Even if terrible. I love the hell out of it. Like, I love the hell out of this movie. Terrible. But, oh, God, this film is so good. And anytime it's on, I will watch it. Watch it. Yes, absolutely. What about you, Olive G? 10. 10! I like the huggies. The huggy scene is fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. The, how they did that blows my mind. Because you've got just people running. You've got all these... People shooting. People shooting. Yeah, all these other extra... Bullets. Yeah, that we, I couldn't understand either. And but also even, that store manager. Store manager. But even like the women and the curlers. Like there's so much going on in the frame. And then on top of that, you have a pack of dogs running. Like that's, it blows my mind. That scene always blows my mind. It's like, how do they coordinate this? I wonder how many takes that took. Mm, who knows? You've got a lot going on. But anyway, my vote is eight and a half. What? Eight and a half? Eight and a half. Come on. Eight and a wow. half. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. <laughs> I'm being shamed by my children. It's a fantastic movie. It's a fantastic movie. Um, but this movie is amazing. You know what? You're right. This movie is a nine. Okay, that's This better. movie is a nine. Much You're correct. Better. Acceptable. Acceptable. Yes, this movie is a nine because it has, it has stood the test of time. And I am a huge proponent of words and storytelling. I think if you don't have a strong script... You can have all the money in the world. You're not going to have a good story. The Coen's just intelligence humor shines through on in every page of the script because the dialogue is fresh. It's funny. It's 30 plus years later and it still holds up. I, I know I've had this conversation with you when we watch old Honeymooners. That stuff's even older and it's like yeah. still funny to this day. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. Who wrote Swanee River? <laughs> yeah, we'll quote stuff from it to yeah. each other every once in a while, too. So I think that that is a gift. That is the power of words. That is amazing storytelling. This movie is a nine. If you have not seen it, go, 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 go do it. it now. Go do it now. Yeah. Uh, how did we see it? Uh, it's on HBO Max. It's on HBO Max. I'm sure it might be on some other platforms. I'm sure, it, yes, I'm sure it's on other platforms. It is from 87. It's not a new film. Um, get yourself in front of a TV right now and go watch Raising Arizona. That's it from us. Thanks for stopping by. Bye. Good night.